the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from him, from God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. His grace this morning, whatever is going on in your life, his mercy and his peace. Fruit of the Spirit, one fruit, nine ingredients, fifth one, kindness. Fruit of the Spirit is kindness. As I thought about this all week long... This being a more difficult sermon to preach, you have so many different areas you could head. I think of James writing to whoever, conversation with someone, perhaps prompted what the Holy Spirit caused him to put down. He said to an individual, you speak to me about your faith through your words, and I will show you my faith through my works. When it comes to this matter of kindness, I could not help but think about that, what James had to say. And I transpose it a little bit and I say, you speak to me about kindness through your words. I will show you kindness through my works. There was a ship on fire in the harbor. December 1917, the ship had on board so many munitions for World War I that the boat should never have been allowed to sail. They hid the cargo when they left Virginia, and when they came to the harbor at Halifax, Nova Scotia, There was a new harbor master. The old one had retired. The new one was but two weeks into the job. The old one would have seen how low the ship was in the water, and he would have known that something very heavy was on board that ship. But the new one wasn't as smart. He looked at the boat. He asked the captain, Do you have any munitions on board? And and the captain said, No, no. 200 tons of dynamite were on that boat. Tons. 35 tons of gasoline. 23 tons of petric acid. 10 tons of gun cotton. And that vessel was sitting in the harbor of Halifax with all the homes surrounding that harbor right on the water. That boat was hit by another boat and a fire started And the crew of 25, knowing what was on that boat, they jumped into the water, they swam as fast as they could, and they ran for the hills. It was 20 minutes later that that freighter exploded. And when it exploded, you could hear the explosion 400 miles away. 75 miles away, the windows on buildings were shattered by that explosion. It was the most powerful man-made explosion in the history of mankind. 
because the atom bomb would not be dropped for another three decades. And if you could hear that explosion 400 miles away and if it shattered windows 75 miles away, can you imagine what happened to Halifax, Nova Scotia? It disappeared. It was incinerated. 2,000 people lost their lives, 9,000 wounded, 6,000 eye injuries, 400 left permanently blind by the explosion. 1,800 homes destroyed. There were two little boys. Their homes were destroyed. Their mom and dad were killed. They survived. They moved in with grandma and grandpa in Truro, a suburb, some 30 miles away. And on the second week there, grandma said, yeah, go, go get your hair cut now. And when they went to get their haircuts, uh, the barbers touched the one boy's head, Al, and touched his brother's head, Noble. And when the boys had their head touched, they screamed out in pain. And the barbers looked at the boys and they said, You must be from Halifax. They closed the shop. They spent three hours shampooing the boys' hair, getting all of the grime and the soot and the oil that was in their hair, getting that out. And when they had gotten that out, then they got their tweezers out, and for the next hour and a half, they pulled glass and wood splinters and metal from the boys' heads. And then they were finished. The boys were so embarrassed, they each had 50 cents to give to the barber. And the older brother said to the barber, I'm so ashamed. You have spent hours on us, and all I have is a dollar for my brother and I. And the barber chuckled and shook his head. He said, young men, come with me. And he took them across the street to a clothing store where he bought them complete outfits and shoes and gloves and coats. And when the boys tried to thank him, he just smiled, patted their shoulders, and said, God be with, as he sent them on their way. The author of the book, The Great Halifax Explosion, written one year ago on the anniversary, he said this, The horrors that the boys endured surely dwarfed whatever small kindness they received afterward. But years later, they seem to remember those acts of kindness as clearly as the horrific scenes they had survived, as if they were somehow imbued with equal power, those acts of kindness. After such traumatic suffering, it was striking just how far a little act of kindness could go, perhaps providing tangible proof that human kindness had not been erased even by the greatest man-made explosion the world had ever seen. A long book, fast read. There is only one paragraph I underlined in the entirety of that book because I knew that someday I wanted to share that with this congregation. An act of kindness so powerful that 30, 40 years later, many a survivor of that explosion would speak first 
about some act of kindness done for them before they ever spoke about the explosion. You understand the power of the fifth ingredient of the fruit of the Spirit. Do you understand the power of kindness? Fifty, sixty years ago, some high school teacher on your worst day ever. Do you understand the power of kindness? If you were to ask Jesus, why did you do the miracles? Or if I were to ask you, why did Jesus do the miracles? You'd say, Pastor, my goodness gracious, you know John 20, 30, 31. It says Jesus did these miracles and many others to prove that he was the Son of God. And by believing in him, you have life in his name. That's a theological answer. Why Jesus do the miracles? To prove he's the Son of God. Amen to that. And the miracles that he's done in your life. Heaven forbid you do not see the hand of God upon the events in your life. That had no other explanation. It wasn't good luck or good fortune. It had to have been the hand of God. Heaven forbid you don't see it when it happens. Jesus did many other miracles to prove he's the son of God. But if you'd have asked Jesus, why would you do the miracles? He would have said, John, I missed the important points. When I saw 200 people laying there by the pool of Siloam, there was only one person I saw. A person who had been there 38 years. And he could never get into the water quick enough to be healed. Certainly you would have thought that someone would have been there after this man had been laying there for eight years. Certainly someone would have said, hey, this guy had been laying here eight years. Let's make sure that he gets in the water. No one else go in. Let's make sure this guy goes in. He's been lying here for eight years. But no, that didn't happen. And after 18 years, it hadn't happened. After 28 years, it hadn't have happened. After 38 years, Jesus comes. The guy's been lying there. Jesus hadn't even been born yet when he was first brought there. And if you ask Jesus, why did you do the miracle? He didn't say, well, I wanted to heal the man. So everyone knew I had the power of God. He would have said, I healed the man. Because when I saw suffering, I ran to it. My heart was moved with compassion for this man, and I ran to it. The ten lepers, the blind Bartimaeus, many beggars there lining the roadway, 25, 30 of them. They all have tattered clothes. They all look emaciated. But there is one man standing there, and you can tell by the way he is looking around that he's blind. And Jesus, Jesus notices it. And his heart is moved with compassion. And he goes to this blind man. Very first miracle he did, was it the bombshell one? Was it feeding 10,000 people with five loaves and two fish? Was his first miracle the bombshell one? No. Uh, The family has a wedding and they run out of wine. 
And he doesn't want this family in this small village to be embarrassed or talked about for years to come. So he turns water into wine. There's a verse in the Bible Pastor Schauer mentioned last week, 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. Why hasn't God come a second time and brought an end to it all and brought heaven down? Why hasn't he come? Because he is long-suffering and he's patient and he's kind. He doesn't want anyone to lose their life. He wants all to be saved. You can talk about God's power, the creation. You can talk about his love, sending Jesus to the cross. You can talk about his wisdom. But if you want to get to the heart of God, you look at Jesus and Jesus said, when you look at me, you see God. And if you can say one word about Jesus, his heart was filled with kindness My goodness gracious, he's dying and his mother's at the foot of the cross and his heart reaches out to his mom. Hey, John, can you take care of my mom? Why don't you get her out of here? When I'm gone, can you take care of my mom? And he looks out uh, from the cross and he sees a chief priest and he sees the Roman soldiers and he sees the two thieves on the cross next to him. His heart reaches out to kindness. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He runs toward suffering. Five years ago, Boston, a marathon, I kept John Cass's editorial all these years. And whenever I read it, it gives me goosebumps. John Cass says, there's a world of talk and there's a world of action. And he says, while I'm watching the television live feed of the explosion in Boston, I am seeing commentators talking and talking and talking, and behind them I am seeing something that stirs my soul. I am seeing policemen and firemen and paramedics and common citizens running into the smoke, running into the bombs. While everyone else is running away. And he said, I talked to many uh, policemen and paramedic and firemen on that day. And they said if they had been there, they had done the same thing. Because they are geared to run towards suffering. Not away from it. They run towards suffering. You have to pay close attention when Jesus is in parable mode. When Jesus is speaking parables, you've got to pay close attention because these are huge things. And instead of just making a sentence or two comment, he'll make a parable out of it because it's so important. Mark chapter 4, kingdom parables, one after another. There are two parables. Mighty in nature, that speak about kindness. Luke 10. A man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, 17 miles, falls into hands of robbers. They strip him naked, they beat him till he's half dead, and then they leave him there. A priest goes down the road, and when he sees the man, he, he passes by on the other side. 
A Levite, when he comes to the place, sees the man, passes by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He got down off of the donkey. He knelt down in the dust. He bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil and wine. Put the man on his donkey, took him to an inn, took care of him all night long. The next day he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him. Get a nurse if you need to. Look after him. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Be careful when he's in parable mode, because it is a huge topic that he is covering. And this one is kindness. The man beaten half dead, unconscious, laying there. The, the man gets off his donkey. Down in the dirt, bodily fluids, blood, spit, slime, all over this man. He's unconscious, just leave him. He ain't going to know the difference, no. Cradles him in his arms, pours on, pours on uh, oil. Keep out the parasites, the worms, the infection. Pours on wine, disinfectant. Bandages him up. Is that enough? No. Takes him to an inn. Stays awake all night long. He's not going to let this man suffer while he sleeps. Stays awake all night long. Every two hours, let's change the bandages. Let's take out the old oil. Let's put on new oil. Let's put on new wine. And in the morning, he's got some task to do. I'm betting some relative or some friend who needs his help. And he's going to go there. But he says, the innkeeper, hire someone to take care of him like I've done. I will return. I want to know how he's doing. I will return. I'll pay you extra for anything extra it costs you. Be careful when he's in parable mode. Because the topic is gigantic. Kindness. First sermon he ever preached. Blessed are those who are kind and merciful. Blessed are those who are kind. Last parable he ever spoke. If he begins his ministry with kindness, he'll end with kindness because here comes Matthew 25. And you've heard it 500 times from me in all these years. Come and enter the kingdom. You were kind. What do you mean we were kind? Well, you saw someone hungry and you fed them. You fed them food. But you saw someone hungry. There was someone in your high school class, locker right next to you, parents going through a divorce, and they were exceedingly sad, and they needed somebody. They needed somebody to be able to talk to, and you were only in high school, but, but you talked to them more than once. They were hungry for companionship because he had just lost his job after 22 years, and there were two young children at home, my goodness gracious. And your next-door neighbor said, man, don't go bother them, man. They have heavy-duty stuff going on right now. Don't go bother them. 
Don't go bother them. But you knew that they needed somebody. And you went. Next door neighbor's spouse had just died. And your wife or your husband said, you know, wait, wait, a, wait a few days, wait a few days. But you couldn't wait. Because you knew they were hungry for somebody. Not to say some words. But to just be there. Silently if needs be. That's what it's all about. Friends. That is what it's all about. Feeding the hungry food. Feeding the hungry with companionship, some human touch in their life, and feeding the hungry with God himself. If the only word you said to someone in great sorrow, the only word you said to them was, God is with you, the angels in heaven would be applauding I think I've spent more time on this sermon than any sermon I've done for a number of years because I could talk for two hours on the subject, but that would not be a good thing. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness. You show me your faith through your words, I will show you my faith through my works. You speak to me about kindness through your words. I will show you my kindness through my works. Powerful. So powerful that two young boys, 40 years later, don't remember so much the explosion in Halifax. They remember a barber whom God sent on that day as an angel. So may he send you and me as he has sent others into our lives when we needed them the most. Last verse. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your acts of kindness and give glory to God that he sent you to them at that moment. In our Savior's name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? Someone who knows stuff would say, um, right brain people are compassionate, left brain people aren't. I'm a left brain people person. (laughs) And Jesus would chuckle because he didn't say, if you're right brained, Welcome into the kingdom. It's a responsibility placed upon us all. I've seen people suffering most severely. I've seen people born with great injuries. And they turn out to be the kindest people I've ever met. Where they should be just the opposite. Heavenly Father, your Holy Spirit bring into us that ingredient of the Spirit himself. Bring within us kindness, because kindness shows the face of God. 
in our Savior's name. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.